You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Follow me. Follow me. This is the consistent call that God makes to his people all throughout Scripture, all the way through Old Testament times. What's the call? Don't go your own way. Follow me. Don't chase after idols that are never going to satisfy you. Follow me. Want to find life? Want to find peace? Want to find fulfillment better than you've ever known? Follow me. And for anyone who's ever read the New Testament, if you read it, you'll discover very quickly that this is the invitation that continues. This continues to be God's call to people. Only this time, it's a little bit more personalised in a sense, in that it's a call to God's people from God in human form, someone maybe that we can relate a little bit better to, in a sense, the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. So what does this call to follow him actually involve? How can we, if we're here today and we're, we're seeking spiritual truth or we're watching this online and, and we don't even know why we're watching this online, but we're kind of curious, how can we come to a place where we are actually able to follow Jesus ourselves? And if we're already on this journey of following Jesus, how can we continue to stay true on target? How can we continue to stick on the path of following Jesus each and every day of our lives faithfully. So we're going to explore all these things this morning. So let's just take a moment to pray and and invite God to really minister to us, to encourage us, to grow us as people who understand that God loves us and that's his call to us, to follow him. And let's follow him afresh today. So let's Loving God, we... Thank you so much for your faithful love, for your continual call to us to, to come, to follow you, to, to, in a sense, leave what we're doing to find the better way. And so, God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, each and every one of us, whether we're seeking spiritual truth, whether we've been a Christian our whole lives, wherever it is we are on that, on that spectrum, God, we pray that by your Spirit you would speak powerfully to us that this would not merely be information, but Lord, as I share what you have placed on my heart to share, that this would bring about transformation in our hearts so that we would leave this place changed and we would continue or we would even walk for the very first time in following after you. So God, have your way this morning and we just want to give you all the glory from the outset. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. You are faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus gives this two-worded command, follow me, over and over again. If you read the Gospels, you'll discover that he, he makes it, apparently, 13 times in the Gospels. I didn't count them all myself, but I got it on good uh, recommendation. But right from the beginning of his ministry, all the way through and to the very end of his earthly ministry. When he first called the disciples, he reached out to them and he said, follow me. 
Matthew 4, 18 to 22, says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Two sets of two brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, James, and John, they respond to this invitation of Jesus and followed after him. And a bit later on in Jesus' ministry, and we saw this in that fantastic clip from The Chosen, highly recommend it if you've never watched it before. It is well worth the investment. Jesus calls Matthew, a tax collector, with the same two-worded phrase. And this is how Matthew himself, you know that tablet that might have come in handy? Well, part of the why it might have come in handy was to record Jesus' words and Matthew's own gospel. So in Matthew 9, 9, this is how he wrote. He said, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as his ministry continued, Jesus, as you see the progression, he he first invests in, in his 12 and then over time towards the end, he's opening up the message to, to crowds and inviting more people to come and hear his, his gospel truth. And he makes this profound and challenging command, which includes that very same two-worded invitation, follow me. It's in Mark chapter 8, 34 to 35. Jesus says, um, or, And calling the crowds to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And then even toward the, the very end of Jesus' ministry, when he died on the cross, he'd been buried in the tomb, and he rose again victorious to new life, even then his command and his command God's eager invitation to people through his son remained exactly the same. Jesus, as he, as he encouraged and he restored a pretty, pretty sad Simon Peter, the disciple who had disowned him, he closed the conversation with the same two-worded command, follow me, in John 21, 15 to 19. Over and over and over again, Jesus invited, urged, commanded people to follow him. Now, a few weeks ago, I shared a, and touched on a tragic reality. And this really is tragic, but it's true. While Jesus has died for the sins of all mankind, not all mankind will choose to follow him. Yeah? He has died for all mankind. That's the reality. His grace is sufficient for all. But will all choose to receive his free gift of grace? No, not necessarily. And that's our work, to share the good news so that people might come to have their hearts transformed and changed. And I suggested that not all people will actually come to a place where they receive Jesus Christ because receiving Jesus Christ involves following Jesus Christ. Yeah? 
And following Jesus in his day back then, contextually, and in our day today, involves embracing a very different countercultural way of living. A life shaped by very different priorities, very different values, a life of sacrifice, humility, and service in submission to Jesus as Lord. And we read a passage just a moment ago that, that drills down on what it really means to follow Jesus. Here's a passage again, Mark chapter 8, 34 to 35. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Now, hearing those again, I mean, it's pretty easy to understand why so many people who heard Jesus' words and also all of Jesus' words in the broader context of Mark chapter 8 as well. This is getting to the pointy end of his teaching before his betrayal and death and burial and all that sort of thing. Why they chose to turn away from him at that point. I mean, just think about it as a, as a human being. You've heard all these things. You kind of get the picture of where it's going and it's like, uh, I don't know. They're pretty hard words to hear, aren't they? They were then. They are for us today. Denial? Denying myself? Taking up my cross? Losing my life to find my life? Like, I don't know if I'm up for that. Just think about for Jesus hearers back in the day what their minds were most, most likely filled with as they heard Jesus say these words. Just earlier, in verse 31, Jesus had revealed to his followers that he was going to suffer and die. And now he's talking about a cross and denying yourself and following him. Here's what it says, Mark 8:31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I don't know if I'd hear that last little bit after hearing about being killed. And then Jesus tells them, hey guys, if you want to find life, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and lose your life. I mean, that's pretty confronting, isn't it? Only then will you find life. Welcome to discipleship. <laughs> and every one of Jesus' hearers back in the day, we read this and it's hard enough, but think about back in their day. They're living under Roman rule. They know what a cross is used for. They know how people, and in that, those times, how criminals were associated with crosses, how criminals died an agonising, long, painful death on a cross. They knew what the Romans used them for. They were torture devices and they brought people to death. So, I mean, sometimes we, we look and think, oh, if I was there in Jesus' day, I, I would have just followed him straight away. Well, if we think about it, we can actually appreciate why so many people, after following Jesus around, hearing his teaching, actually chose at that point, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm going to remain on my own path. I'm going to look after myself, be the master of my own destiny. 
and actually not follow after him and not embrace that life that Jesus was offering. So let's bring it forward to our day today. You know, it's no wonder really that many people today, they hear about Jesus, they might even marvel at the truly miraculous things that history says Jesus did. And we believe wholeheartedly that he did. He did them all. And yet people still refuse to receive him. For us, we don't hear... Uh, we don't hear Jesus' words here in Mark 8 and immediately think of being hung up on a cross, do we? It's not probably what we think of, but we're still deeply confronted and challenged by Jesus' call to die. Jesus' words cut right to the very centre of our hearts, to our core motivations, and cause, us, cause our, our priorities in life ultimately to be really challenged. Think about this. Is there, a, is there a more countercultural idea out there in our Western world today than the idea of denying ourselves? Like, really, think about it. Is, can you think of one? I, I really couldn't. Self-denial, I don't think so. You know, we live in a world that feeds us the very opposite line to what Jesus teaches. Our world says, do you want to be fulfilled? Do you want to find life? Do you want to enjoy a great and fulfilling life? Then go ahead and indulge yourself. Don't ever think about denying any whim or desire that you might have. Go right ahead and indulge in every passion and pursuit that you want to. Chase after the life that you deserve. Pave your own path in life. Embrace your greater purpose. You do you. That's one of the key, if not the key, message of our world, our Western world today. And if we're honest, and we're honest because we're Christian, and we're in church today, and we can be real with one another, but if we're honest, this is a message that we've all bought into at times. We've all bought into this. It's a message that many of us continue to spend lots and lots of time and effort and money chasing after. Now, hear me. Not all of these things are necessarily bad. Not all our desires and whims are sinful. Some are very good desires. I mean, if we're, if we're married and we're desiring to be a good wife or a good husband, that is a great desire. If we're a parent and we're desiring to be the most supportive and encouraging parent that we could possibly be for our kids, that is a great desire. If we're desiring to be a great friend to others or a great employee, be the best worker we can be just right behind our boss, giving it our all, whatever, they're all great desires to have. But here's the thing. With all these pursuits with all these desires, whilst our society promotes them as being the very thing through which we will find ultimate meaning and satisfaction in life, money, pleasure, fame, success, marriage, family, whatever that pursuit might be, they never actually deliver. They never actually deliver on what they promise to give. They will never, no matter how much money we spend, no matter 
them, no matter how hard we seek them out or how hard we kind of pursue them, they will never, ever truly bring us the satisfaction that the deepest parts of our hearts and desires crave for. They won't. This is true. Seeking and enjoying those desires and whims might bring us temporary moments of pleasure. Absolutely. They might make us feel genuine happiness at times. But none of them are meant. None of them are designed by a good, good God who gives good gifts for his children to enjoy to be our source of ultimate satisfaction and joy and life. It's only through walking with Jesus, following Jesus, enjoying Jesus, that we find the very satisfaction and joy and life that we long for. And Jesus' invitation to us is that opportunity before all of us to follow him, find life. And it involves denying ourselves and taking up our cross. So what does that even mean? What does it mean to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus? Well, we touched on a few things before. Sacrifice, obedience, submission, things like that. And these insights from my study Bible are pretty helpful. Here's what it says. It says, The goal of self-denial and taking up one's cross is not pathological self-abasement, which means humiliation of oneself. We're not doing it to humiliate ourselves. Or a martyr complex, like, oh, I'll just die then. I'll die for the cause. But being free to follow the Messiah. Self-denial means letting go of self-determination and replacing it with obedience to and dependence on the Messiah. Yeah? Obedience to and dependence on the Messiah. Self-denial, in a sense, is actually just surrendering wholeheartedly to obeying and depending on Jesus. That's it, really simply. Being truly free, and that's where we find true freedom to actually follow and enjoy and find satisfaction and life through relationship with Jesus Christ. Taking up one's cross will likely not involve us losing our lives for the sake of the gospel, although it might, depending on what God calls us to. Let's be real. We, we're supporters of open doors. We have we sow into ministries overseas where believers daily are at risk of losing their lives on account of Jesus. In our Western world, it's unlikely that we'll lose our life for the sake of the gospel. But taking up our cross will involve for each of us everyday sacrifices, moments where we need to choose to die. We need to choose to die to our own wants, our own desires, maybe even sometimes as led by Holy Spirit, safety in order to side with and follow Jesus and his ways that actually lead us to life itself. You know, we only need to, to think back a month or so for a great example of what this looks like or could look like for us as followers of Jesus today. Andrew Thorburn, he is a, a Christian 
and he's a board member at, at a great church in the city called City on a Hill. And he was appointed as the CEO of the Essendon Football Club, a, a, a childhood dream for someone who was gifted like him. Literally, he's been a lifelong Essendon supporter. And then what happened? He was appointed, and then the very next day, he was forced to resign. Why? Wasn't he qualified? Had he um, gone into his job interview and embellished his CV a little bit? Kind of jazzed it up? Hardly. Among other things, he'd been a former CEO of NAB, NAB or any major corporation don't generally have people who aren't super gifted and talented as CEOs very often. He was a lifelong and passionate Essendon supporter and he was a recognised leader in the wide range of, of professional fields that he had participated in over his lifetime. He had the credentials, big time. So why then did he need to resign? because he was associated with a Christian church who hold to and promote mainstream Christian values. He wasn't ousted from the Essendon CEO gig because of what he'd done or he'd said. By all reports from the people who worked with him at, at NAB and other things like that, he was a very inclusive, loving, kind, supportive boss who treated all people with respect and dignity, irrespective of their sexuality, irrespective of their, their background, anything like that. He was just a decent human being. But he was forced to resign from his role simply because he was associated with a Christian church. And let's just be straight. The media made it out like City on the Hill was some kind of controversial church. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be clear here. They are not a controversial church in any way, shape or form. They are, by all accounts, a very ordinary and orthodox Christian church. Very similar to, to our beliefs that we hold and that, as we saw in the media with all the support coming out from other churches for this case, pretty well the broader body of Christ as well. Now, here's... here's Here's where it hits home. Andrew Thorburn had a choice, didn't he? He had a choice in that moment. He could have chosen to just say, oh, I don't really believe those kind of things. He could have chosen to kind of back down and distance himself from ordinary Orthodox Christian teachings in order to safeguard his career prospects, in order to maintain status and influence in the secular society in which he was living, in a sense, to keep his life, yeah? But he refused to do so. He refused to compromise. He respectfully stood down. He acknowledged, I think very graciously, the, the many complexities at play in the whole situation. But he also challenged people to consider if the very tolerance that society upholds and champions and says is a, it should be extended to all was actually extended to him as a Christian in this particular scenario, or if it was excluded from him on account of his Christian faith. And in doing all of this, 
he, con- he continued to follow Jesus. And in a sense, he lost his life, but he continued to enjoy and find more and more life as he walks forward with Jesus. You know, Andrew Thorburn knew, he knows that Jesus' children, that we are blessed when we suffer on account of Jesus. We're not blessed when we suffer because we're a fool and we tell someone we share the gospel in a really horrible way. You're not blessed for that. But when we're blessed on account of Jesus, when we're siding with Jesus, when we make a stand with Jesus, when we say, you know what, this is my beliefs and I'm not willing to compromise on this, in love, with grace, Jesus says, you are blessed for being persecuted for my sake. He knew, Andrew Thorburn knew, that life and freedom and joy are not found in temporary worldly pursuits and pleasures and job titles and worldly security. He knew and he knows that ultimate satisfaction and joy and life are only found in ongoing faithful relationship to Jesus and he chose to side with him. Murray Campbell, he's the lead pastor at Mentone Baptist Church. He, uh, he wrote a great article and his comments are helpful and actually tie in nicely with today's passage from Luke 8. Here's what he says. As Jesus once said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Football or God? An AFL club or his church? Faced with an intolerable choice, Andrew Thorburn chose the better path. He sure did. Andrew Thorburn chose the better path, the path less tread. He chose pleasure in Jesus over the pleasures that this world could offer him. He chose to lose his life. He, he chose to potentially, this is the reality for him, potentially he has lost power, positions, money, worldly respect that he may not get back. He might not get back. All so that he could continue to enjoy ultimate life, far better, richer, fulfilling, ongoing life in all its fullness with his Saviour, Jesus Christ. He chose the better path and he responded to Jesus' call once again, And then, in that moment, continue to follow him. Let's bring it home. Friends, all of us have a choice to make. Every single one of us have a choice to make. Jesus' invitation to follow him is the same invitation he makes to each and every one of us. And as we've seen, yes, it it is a costly one. Denial, self-denial, putting Jesus' wants and needs before our own. It is a costly one, but can I encourage you, the rewards far outweigh any cost that we might find. You know, if we choose to willingly lose our life, submit ourselves joyfully to Jesus as our Lord and trust in him, following him wholeheartedly with all we've got, That's where we find life. That's where we find life that brings us satisfaction, brings us fulfillment now on this side of eternity, and that is the very life and relationship that opens up 
the sure thing for those of us who stick with Jesus that will bring us fulfillment and satisfaction for all eternity as well. And if we don't, if we make this world our all, if we settle for the temporary pursuits and pleasures and seek to save our own lives or even pave our own lives, our own way in life, Jesus says we're going to lose. We're going to lose and we're not going to lose just like a little thing. We're going to lose big time. In this life, no question, we will lose. But also, and this is pretty confronting, Jesus says we're going to lose if we do this in the next one too. Here's what Jesus says to conclude his follow me invitation. Mark, I'll read the whole thing. Mark 8, 34 to 38. He says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels, when he returns to take his followers to be with him for eternity. Friends, life is only found through relationship with Jesus. And it's right there for the taking. It's right there for the taking. Jesus has made the way for us to find life now and forever. It's God's gift for each and every one of us. But as I said the other week, the gift's there to be taken, but we need to make the choice to receive that gift. We need to come to a place where we heed Jesus' loving call, but it's also... I guess a bit of a challenge to us. Are you going to follow me? You know, I want you to follow me, but will you follow me? We have a choice to make. Will, how will we respond to Jesus' call? Will we commit to following him? Now, if we've already done that, we've done that before. If we're here or we're listening and we consider ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, what I would encourage us to do is to, to make this choice to follow a daily ritual, a holy habit, if you like. Each day, multiple times a day, if you're anything like me, I need to do this multiple times a day. We need to humble ourselves. We need to invite Holy Spirit to lead and change our hearts and desires at the core of us, our core motivations, so that when we're tempted, it's not a matter of if we're tempted, it's a matter of when the temptation's going to come. When we're tempted to prize the treasures on offer in this world more than Jesus and seek satisfaction in them before Jesus and instead of Jesus, we will still choose the correct path, the path less tread, the path where we continue to deny ourselves, take up our cross and joyfully follow Jesus. And then continue to have and enjoy life with him. I believe as I was prepping for this, I just felt like God say that he, that he wants to, to set some people free today. 
think we already had a taste of that this morning in our worship. What a beautiful time of singing and connecting with our Father. But believe God's saying that he wants to set some people free. So, friends, today, if you're, if you're here or if you're with us online and you've never before sought out relationship with Jesus Christ, can I encourage you, make this day the day where you humble yourself before him, before your loving God, and come to know Jesus. Life, life like you've never known before, intimate, close, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ can be yours to enjoy today. Will you humbly receive this gift from God for the first time? And if you're here today or you're watching and you're, you're a follower of Jesus, you're someone who says, yep, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, maybe today, even as you've been reflecting and, and Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart, perhaps you've realized afresh that maybe at times you're getting caught up in looking to other things, other for fulfillment and meaning in life, other than the source and the giver of life itself. Perhaps you've been caught up in compromise. Perhaps that's chasing after the pleasures and pursuits of the world as sources of fulfillment and life. Maybe you're facing an Andrew Thorburn situation of your own. You're probably not going to be a CEO of a football club, but in your workplace or something. Perhaps, uh, you know, family relationships or friendship circle, whatever it is, whatever the situation you're facing, don't waste an opportunity to be set free. Take this opportunity, receive prayer, and allow Jesus to set you free and continue to empower step by step with the Spirit to follow him. Maybe, Laura, do you want to come and... Is that all right? Thanks. Let's all find life through drawing near to Jesus, either for the first time or afresh today. Why don't we just stand together for a moment? Let's just, let's just wait on the Holy Spirit and open our, open our hearts so that we can respond in the way that Jesus would want us to today.